We're watching the rise of a true phenom, someone that just comes along once in an era who seems to be able to do everything. This is The Podium from NBC Sports and Vox Media. We're just a few weeks away from the opening ceremony. Thousands of athletes are about to descend on Pyeongchang, South Korea. But in this episode, we're focusing on four. Four star athletes to watch as the games begin. Here's reporter Tim Struby. Our first athlete has just dominated in almost every slalom race since the 2014 Winter Games in Sochi. And now here is Michaela Schifrin. Here is Schifrin. The moment has arrived for Michaela Schifrin of the United States. At 22 years old, Michaela Schifrin is the best slalom skier in the world. She's conquered the slopes of Oslo, Zagreb, Aspen, and Sochi. But she started out in the wilds of New Hampshire. If someone grew up skiing and ski racing in New England, they can pretty much handle anything. That's Nick Palmgarten, staff writer for The New Yorker. He's been following Schifrin's career for years, and he wrote a profile of her last November. Obviously, she's talented. She's physically talented. But from an early age, she committed to a, a certain regimen of training. Schifrin's parents had a plan for their daughter from the beginning. See, they realized that young alpine skiers don't actually have all that much time to practice their sport. There are the seasonal restrictions, no snow in the summertime. But then there's all that time that they have to spend on the ski lift and waiting their turn at the top of the mountain. So Michaela's parents pushed her to make the most of her time. Michaela Schifrin wastes not one moment. That's Kristen Cooper. I'm a 1984 Olympic silver medalist in giant slalom. She also has a trio of world championship medals. And she was an analyst for NBC. But she's never seen anyone like Michaela. I've watched a lot of great skiers, and I was one myself. And I watch her, and my mouth falls open. The secret to Schifrin's success? Her work ethic. When she's done with a training course, and there's another 500 vertical feet to ski to get back down to the lift, most people save their legs and swoop and swoosh and have some fun and get to the finish. Not Schifrin. She turns like a metronome from the bottom of that training course to the lift and then from the top of the lift to the training course because she just believes in this idea that every moment matters, every turn matters, and that's how she's going to master this sport. Schifrin stuck to her training regimen even when her parents weren't around. She went to Burke Academy in Vermont, a school for kids who are really serious about skiing. But Nick Palmgarten says no one was as serious as Schifrin. There's this rare thing that happens in New England where it actually snows a lot and you get a powder day. And when you're in New England and you get a powder day, you drop everything and you go, you go slay the pow. So the whole team is there in the woods, jumping off of rocks, you know, skiing the trees, having a great day, a day off from race training. And Michaela, meanwhile, had her racing skis on and had gone to the racing hill to go work on her slalom training. As her father told me, he's like, powder skiing, that's for also rans. All that training paid off. At age 18, she goes to her first Olympics and wins the first run of slalom and obviously is in position to win the gold. Now, for most of us at that age... That would just be too much to handle. Not for Schifrin. She was all about it. She looked really confident at the start. Cooper was there that day analyzing the race for NBC. Coach Roland Pfeiffer says she is so young, yes, but mentally she is one of the strongest skiers on the circuit, and she needs to draw on that now. Coming out of the start gate, she had more than a second lead over Shield. And she is skiing with such efficiency, such confidence. She just kind of got faster and faster and faster, and each turn got a little closer to the gates. And then on the second run, she got to the bottom third, 
and she hit a piece of snow in a little hairpin and she got knocked off balance. That shipper nearly loses it right there. All of us went, <gasps> there goes the gold medal. And in her amazingly fit and prepared way, she was just back on track within a gate. Amazing recovery on one ski. Somehow, some way, Shiffrin was able to stay on her skis at the top, and now seems like she's in absolute control to the finish. Michaela Shiffrin wins gold for the U.S. She just stayed composed and just got back into her rhythm and got to the bottom and won. So four years later, what should Shiffrin fans look for in Pyeongchang? She's just better than everybody else, honestly. But that doesn't mean that they can give her the gold medal without her having to ski. I mean, you've got to handle the pressure. She says that she's starting to feel the pressure in a way that she didn't used to. Still, Cooper isn't worried. She's already learning how to deal with that in a way that's positive. I mean, she is a student of sport. And so she notices, hmm, I'm feeling more pressure. I'm feeling more nervous. What should I do about it? How can I fix that? It's amazing. She's phenomenal to watch. Schifrin's success has also been a game changer for her competitors. Lindsey Vaughn has been the superstar of American skiing for many, many years now. And that mantle has passed. I think that she has come alive because of Michaela Schifrin. So Michaela Schifrin may have put Lindsey Vaughn on notice. But Vaughn is still the best ski racer of her generation. It's hard to do a brief biography of Lindsay because she's been so incredibly prolific throughout her career. She first started winning World Cup races at age 20. She's 33 now, and in those last 13 years, she's won the overall World Cup title four times. Vaughn has the most World Cup wins of any female skier ever. These days, she sticks to downhill racing, but Vaughn started out in slalom just like Schifrin. And the two share a very similar work ethic. Lindsay used to train five hours in the gym, and sometimes four of those hours was on a stationary bike, and then she would get off and do another hour of weights, and the next day she'd come in, she'd do four hours of weights and an hour on the stationary bike. So she got on the hill, and she was stronger than most of the women, frankly. And the stronger you are, the more dynamic of a turn you can make, the better turns you make at the bottom of a long downhill. But it's not just physical strength. The ability to train that hard shows a kind of mental strength, too. To do well in downhill, going 80 miles an hour, you've got to take risks. You've got to be smart, but also kind of fearless. Those risks can come with a cost. Injuries have derailed some of Vaughn's Olympic medal dreams. She's competed in three winter games, but her only hardware was a gold and bronze at the 2010 Vancouver Games. Up in the start house, Lindsey Vaughn. This is her chance now. It's what she's worked so hard for. Cooper was one of the NBC analysts in 2010. The Alpine skiing events were at Whistler that year, and the course was notorious. It had side hills and steeps and flats and airtime. Look at the determination on her face as she breaks out of there. If you're fast on top and you're gaining time on everybody on top, then if you can keep it like water flowing downhill, you just continue to gain more and more speed. 
I can't imagine what she was going through at the top knowing how much she wants this gold, how much she deserves it and has proven to be the best woman in the world, but nonetheless it comes down to her executing today. She didn't ski perfectly when I say flawless in downhill. That means that you're actually taking some risks where everything isn't absolutely perfect because you're just flying down the hill. This is a woman who can make mistakes and still go faster than the rest of the world. That's what she's proven all so far this year and last year, in fact, in downhill. Finish line is in view there. You see the stands chasing her teammate, Mancuso Lindsay Vaughn, into the lead by more than a half second. Four years later, Vaughn missed the 2014 games in Sochi after a series of injuries, including a severe crash at the World Championships. She eventually recovered, but she's had more injuries in the years since. A broken leg, a broken arm, a fractured ankle. She's taken a lot of time off in the weeks leading up to Pyeongchang, and Cooper says that's a good thing. She's laser-focused on the speed events. In the Olympic test events last year, she took second in the downhill and the Super G. I think that's a perfect place to be. It means Vaughn knows the course and knows she can ski well on the course. But that doesn't mean the pressure's off. There's still plenty at stake. Lindsay is approaching these games as if they're going to be her last Olympics. She's getting to that point in her career where she's thinking, geez, another four years is a really long ways away, and so this is the one that I need to, to nail. Even with that pressure, Cooper believes Vaughn has at least one more gold medal run in her. She's probably, for her, perfectly aligned for a great result here. In some ways, our next athlete is much like Lindsey Vaughn. Sean White has dominated his sport for years. He made his Olympic debut in Torino back in 2006. But in snowboarding circles, he was known well before that. He grew up in Carlsbad, California. He started off as this little kid that was basically just a helmet with knee pads. That's Todd Richards. I've been a professional snowboarder for almost 30 years. Richards was one of the sport's pioneers, and he's followed Sean White's meteoric rise in Halfpipe, the premier snowboarding event. He kind of went from being this little guy that was kind of like the token forerunner at the Halfpipe events, where it would be like, oh, he's so cute, to all of a sudden becoming the best snowboarder in competition. White won his first gold medal at the 2006 Winter Olympics at just 19 years old. With his talent, charisma, and signature red hair, White became the sport's first global superstar. He's just become like the most recognizable snowboarder the world has ever seen. And an athlete who consistently set the bar higher, literally. Sean White for a long time was going significantly bigger than all the other riders in the halfpipe. And I mean like a good 10 feet higher than the second placed rider. White cemented his place in snowboarding history at the 2010 Winter Games in Vancouver. Todd was actually working for NBC that day as an announcer. So it's finals day at the Vancouver Winter Olympics. So let's get into the head of Sean White. Sean White needs to nail his signature trick. Sean has one trick that no one else yeah, on Sean. the planet is doing. It's the double McTwist 1260. It's a move that encompasses three and a half rotations and two flips. Look for it. And in typical exciting Sean White fashion, he put together a string of tricks that were all 10 feet bigger than everybody else's moves. to put an exclamation point on an already incredible run. And there it is! Oh! 
He does the double McTwist 1260 and goes home with the gold medal. On a victory lap with no speed. <laughs> and that is what the fans wanted to see. Sean White double gold. Boy, does he deliver. But that was back in 2010. It's been eight years, and these days... In competitive men's halfpipe, he is the oldest one in competition. White's 31 years old, and in Pyeongchang, he'll be facing a bunch of very talented and younger competitors. Particularly a young Japanese rider named Ayumu Hirano. And Ayumu is the one that is basically making Sean take notice. He's putting a check next to Sean, being like, All right, buddy, you used to be the one that went the biggest. Now I can go just as big as you. I've got technical tricks. It's really going to be exciting to see what Sean has to do if he wants to go home with that gold around his neck. And there's another star to watch in snowboarding on the women's side. The X Games gold medalist, she's done it all. From USA, from Torrance, it's Chloe Kim. She actually qualified for the 2014 games in Sochi, but was too young to compete. This year, at the ripe old age of 17, Kim is set to take Pyeongchang by storm. Like Sean White, Kim is a Southern California native. Her parents immigrated to the United States from South Korea, and her dad was actually her first coach. She's super supported by her family. Her father's at every single event. And she's just a really bubbly human being that goes out there and absolutely kills it as soon as she straps in. And Kim is already pushing the boundaries of her sport. She is progressing at such a crazy rate. She's taking things to such a new level and a new height as far as rotations and how high she goes out of the half pipe and technicality of her runs. It's absolutely breathtaking to watch when she's on her game. Kim even made history at the 2016 Grand Prix in Park City, Utah. It was beautiful outside. It was probably 45 degrees. The half pipe was about as perfect as it could possibly be. Everyone here in Park City, get loud, get proud, and put your hands together for Chloe Kim. She had already won the competition. So this was her glory run. The competition was already hers, but she wanted to come down and put an exclamation point on the progression of women's snowboarding. So she dropped in. She did her top part of her run. There's a 1080 right there with the full grab. And then boom. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, you have just witnessed history. She throws the back-to-back 1080s. and becomes the first woman in history to ever do those in competition back to back. And she didn't even need to do it. She didn't need it to win. And she threw down just for the sake of pushing women snowboarding. Chloe Kim comes out here today and makes history. And she was just smiles. She was so relaxed and so happy that you could tell that that something special was gonna happen that day. Just, she was riding so effortlessly. So Kim's coming into Pyeongchang with high expectations, but Todd Richards thinks she'll have no trouble hitting her stride. It'd be fantastic if the competition, um, when it comes to women's halfpipe finals, pushes her to have to really dig deep in her bag and pull out a crazy run because she has so many complicated tricks, but the back-to-back 1080s for her, that's her money combo. Those are some of the American athletes to watch on the slopes. But next week, 
We're going inside the arena and onto the ice with a look at hockey and figure skating. You have someone like Nathan Chen. He's groundbreaking. He's doing five and six quads and, and really upping the technical ante of the sport. More on figure skater Nathan Chen and his biggest competitors next week on the podium. As always, we thank you so much for listening. Our thanks to our sound engineers, Miles Ewell, Pedro Alvira, and Jonathan Hirsch. Our senior producers are Jillian Weinberger and Golda Arthur, and our executive producer is Nishat Kurwa. Be sure and subscribe to The Podium on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. I'm Lauren Shahadi. Thanks so much for listening.